You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. That'll make things interesting. So welcome. Welcome to our 2022 Easter communion, Easter celebration and communion service. If you're with us, you know this. If you're visiting, you don't. Each year on Easter Sunday, we pause whatever regular series or whatever topic we've been discussing, to celebrate communion together. My opinion, it's not the only time to celebrate communion, of course, but there's no better time for the church to celebrate communion together than Easter. Easter is all about Jesus. Communion's all about Jesus. Therefore, what better time for the church to come together and celebrate communion than Easter? Today I want to do, or we want to do, some teaching related to Easter, and then on to celebrating communion together. We'll begin just a bit differently than most traditional Easter messages. I want to actually begin with a verse from last week that I feel is very important in these days, in these days of religion, and is fitting for today. The verse is John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, the true and living God. We need to know the true and living God, not a God who's dead, not a God who's 93 million miles away, the true and living God right here with us. We need to know him. Many people don't even realize you can know him. Paul Simon didn't in his song, The Ways of God Are Unknown to Men. This is a biblical definition. Well, let me finish it. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is a biblical definition of salvation, which in essence is eternal life. This is a biblical definition of Christianity. We said last week Christianity is not a religion. Shock. Christianity is a relationship. If we're truly saved, if we're truly Christian, then by biblical definition, we know Jesus. We have a relationship with him, our Savior and our Lord. Communion, which we'll celebrate today, is a celebration of this relationship that Christians have with Jesus. Communion is intended for those who are in relationship with Jesus. Those who are in relationship with Jesus, and I am purposefully overemphasizing that phrase, those who are in relationship with Jesus are privileged to share communion in the church. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, or you're uncertain, you're unsure if you do, we can take care of that in a moment. 
An invitation is going to be given later in the service to come to know Jesus. Folks have come to know Jesus during our communion services through the years. I think we need to take, a time, take some time and talk a bit about Easter. Because unfortunately in our society and our culture today, we can't take it for granted anymore that folks understand what Easter is. So let's begin there. What is Easter? Easter is a recognition of the final days of Jesus' earthly ministry. Specifically, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. A lot happened on that first Easter weekend, although, of course, it wasn't known as Easter. His death, we recognize on Good Friday, Jesus died on the cross, and he did die. It wasn't a fake death. It wasn't a pseudo-death. Jesus, the man, the human being, he died. His burial, his body was in the tomb. We observed that yesterday, Saturday. His resurrection, raised from the dead, death to life again, and we're celebrating that today. Yeah, good place for a woo. He did die. But he is alive. He died, but he rose again. You know those famous sermons, it's Friday, but Sunday's a coming. Without the resurrection, no reason to celebrate. Do you understand that? Without the resurrection, it would only be a death and a burial. What is that? Just like any other human being without the resurrection. Nothing special. No hope if there was no resurrection. But Jesus, we sung about him, and I was thinking while we were playing and singing about him, wow, then I get the privilege to talk about him. I get the privilege to talk about Jesus. Jesus, whom we are celebrating today, and we're going through some motions and some rituals, and they're fine, but what we're celebrating is Jesus. He was not like any other human being. He was special. Because of him, there is great hope. If he didn't resurrect, then he'd be nothing special and there'd be no hope. But he was special, and he did resurrect from the dead. So there, there is great hope. He was a unique human being. Now listen, you want to learn something today, right? And if you already know it, you want to get your, your learning refreshed here. Jesus was both, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Fully God and fully man. He had a divine nature and he had a human nature. That's extremely important to know. Galatians 4.4, when the right time came, God sent his son, capital S-O-N, Jesus, born of a woman, Mary. This verse says so much about Jesus. He's God's son. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's fully God. He has a divine nature. But he was born of a woman, Mary, flesh and blood, fully man, with a human nature. He's unique. There's no other person like Jesus Christ. You got that? You don't learn that in school anymore. 
Jesus Christ unique, none like him, fully God, fully man. This is also very important to know because we're going to learn something together. The human race had gotten itself into quite a mess. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve created perfect, sinless, and complete fellowship with God. They sinned, and they broke the rules. And the consequences of breaking God's rules meant it separated them from fellowship with him, their creator. And now because all of mankind, where were you when Adam sinned? Unfortunately, you were in Adam. And so when he sinned and the curse came upon him, it came upon you and me. It came upon the whole human race. All mankind is born, separated then from fellowship with their creator. Scripture calls this being lost. All human beings are born lost and separated from God, alienated from God. The situation of lostness, left unchanged, meant now humans could not go to heaven. And you know the alternative to heaven. And it's not good. And it's forever. No second chances once you leave this life. It's a forever thing. Mankind had gotten itself, himself, into a bad situation, and God had a dilemma on his hands. The dilemma is this. We sung about it. Sonny mentioned it. He loved mankind so much, he's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should be left out of heaven. He's not wanting anybody not to be in heaven. But he's also perfectly holy and just. So he couldn't just simply overlook the offense and say, oh, that's okay, I'll let you in anyhow. Doesn't work like that. So God had a dilemma, what to do. These, this precious human race that I've created has decided to sin, and now they've condemned themselves. Did you notice that? God didn't condemn them to hell. They condemned themselves to hell. That was never God's plan. God gets a bad rap for that. Here's the problem in a nutshell. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. All have sinned. That's the whole human race. No exceptions. We sinned vicariously in Adam. We were in him when he sinned. We have sinned personally in our own lives. Human beings, we have a sin problem. Who here has never sinned? Show of hands. Okay, we've just proven Scripture correct. All have sinned. None of us now are suitable for heaven because of our sin. We are all condemned to hell forever because of our sin. That's the bad news. And the bad news gets worse. The wages of sin is death. Death means separation. First, physical death. Your soul separates from your body. Then spiritual death. Separated. The soul is separated from the love, the presence, and the goodness of God forever. The wages of sin is death. The penalty for our sin, the just wage, what we should be paid for our sin, is death. Eternal separation from God in hell forever. And you know, before I was saved, I'm, I don't know why I'm looking at you guys, but maybe you're there where I was. Before I saved, I thought that was a big joke. And if somebody in our crowd would die, we would raise a beer to them. 
Oh, that great party in hell. I'm here to tell you hell is not a party. Hell is isolation. Hell is darkness thicker than you can see your hand in front of your face. It's torment. It's hot. It's burning. And it's forever. There's no party there. There's not even any relationship. You're isolated by yourself forever. It says there's painful, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Don't let anybody give you this thing about, oh, you want to end up in hell. That's where all your friends are going to be. That's where the party is. That's wrong. Don't find out the hard way. Let me just sum up these two verses. Everyone has sinned. That's all of us. Nobody raised their hand that you haven't. No exceptions. Therefore, none of us are worthy of heaven. We're all condemned to hell forever. Is that understood? Because that is truth. You won't hear that out there much, but that is truth. Unfortunately, you won't hear that out there in many churches anymore. Because it's a fluff, good feeling message that doesn't get people saved and doesn't help people escape hell. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of our sin. Shedding of blood equals death. So here's the deal. This is God's dilemma. Somebody got to die. Somebody got to die for mankind's sin or there's no forgiveness of sin. There's no restoration to fellowship with God. There's no entrance into heaven. But how can someone die for sin? Because that just be simply con- suffering the consequences that you already deserve. Are you following me? Anybody out there following me? The wages of sin is death, so they're already going to die for their sin. That's not going to help anyone. If Dan, if you said you were going to die for my sin, that's a wonderful intention, but it's not going to work. You've got to die for your sin, and I've got to die for my sin. I can't die for your sin. I'm already cursed under the penalty of sin, which is death. It's going to have to be someone, if this is done, it's going to have to be someone who, wasn't, who isn't, wasn't under the curse of sin. It has to be someone who never sinned, that's free from that just wages of sin. But all have sinned. Well, wait a minute. Hold on there. God is brilliant. Yeah, duh. God worked this thing out. He loves us so much He worked this thing out, believe it or not. He, Jesus, faced all the same testings as we do, yet what? He did not sin. Jesus, Son of God, in human form, never sinned. He was not under the curse of sin because the Holy Spirit was his Father. Brilliant! God the Father, sinless, begets the Son, Jesus, sinless, but he's still human because he's born of Mary. Mary doesn't pass the sin line down. The man does. It came through Adam. Brilliant. Brilliant. God is like, (laughs) is there another word? I'm stuck on brilliant. Help, I keep saying brilliant and I can't stop. Now we got another question, though. Would Jesus be willing to die for mankind's sin? Would he be willing to die for us? You know he had a choice. You know he wasn't forced to do it. He chose to die for us. And then would God accept that as payment for all of us? Well, that answer is yes. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died 
for us sinners. Jesus was willing to die. And the Father said he would accept Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. That if we would now just come to him and put our trust in him and accept his work on our behalf, we could be saved. We could be free from the curse of sin. We could enter heaven and escape hell. His death covers the wages for sin who any or any for any who are willing to put their trust in him. That's a good place for an hallelujah and an amen. Let's see this again. Let's just make sure this isn't too good to be true. When things are too good to be true, seem to be too good to be true, they usually are. But no, wait. Here's another book of the Bible. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. Christ died for us, therefore, no eternal separation from God now. No eternal, no loss of fellowship with God forever in hell. For those who put their trust in Christ. For those who do not put their trust in Christ, the situation is still unchanged. And hell is your eternal destiny. It is that important. And it doesn't matter if you die at 17 or you die at 97, if, you're, if that situation is unchanged and you haven't come to know Jesus, hell is your eternal destiny. What does it profit the man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Again, Peter now. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Is that amazing or what? Come on, you got to see what's going on here. This is what we're celebrating today. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life by the Spirit. He died for sinners to bring you and me safely back home to God. That which was lost in the garden is now regained, is regained through Jesus. Hope lost has become hope restored in Jesus. Heaven lost has become heaven regained in Jesus. This is what we're celebrating today at Easter and in communion, what Jesus did for us. His death, his burial, his resurrection. I love chocolate Easter bunnies. I love Easter candy. I love Easter egg hunts. I love all that. If anybody wants to get me a chocolate Easter bunny, solid, please. Not too big on the hollow chocolate. I want my money's worth. Get me a solid bunny or a cross or something. I love that stuff, but that is not what Easter is all about. And we need to teach our kids that. It's all about his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus Christ, the sinless one, for our sakes, the sinners on our behalf. He did this for you. Now, I want you to think about that. We're all lumped in this together as the human race. He did it for the human race. But as we take communion, I want you to think, he did this for you. When Jesus died on the cross, because he was God, he had you personally, individually in mind. Because he could see all things. He knows all things. He saw you coming to him. And we can't prove this, but I believe it. If you were the only one that would come, he still would have done that. He loves you that much. Hard to believe, isn't it? Most of us don't even love ourselves that much. But he loves us that much. Life gets tough and we question that love. Think about Easter. Think about the cross. Think about what he did. 
I want to finish now Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Remember, that's salvation. That's Christianity. This is eternal life, knowing him. Eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we want to move into the communion service. And this thing that we're going to do, that churches call different things, Eucharist, communion, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, it has a bunch of different names depending on where you go to church. It's celebrated some, some, the denomination I grew up in, we did it every time we gathered. And there's some that do it every first Sunday. Sorry, we're having a, just a quick technical difficulty. Some churches do it every, every first Sunday. Some churches do it once a year. We do it when the Spirit moves us, plus Easter. Thank you. Okay. So this, this thing we do we call communion had its origin in what's known as the Last Supper. It was Thursday night before he died on Friday. Here's a brief account of what happened at that Last Supper. And now we followed this practice down through the centuries as Christians. He took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. This is not in my notes, but I feel to say it. Because I know it's lax among so many Christians. We don't pause and thank God before we eat. And we need to. He has blessed us abundantly. If you're out in a restaurant, I hope you're not ashamed to pause and pray before you eat. I don't know how many times people have come up to me when I've done that and said something. And whenever I see somebody do it, I always go up to them and commend them. That's not actually the intention here, but that's become a practice over the years, and it's a good practice. He took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this, or it could say, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. The bread represents the body of Jesus that was sacrificed, broken, brutally tortured, suffered on the cross, and then died. After supper, he took another cup of wine, and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, a new way of approaching God, not through the law anymore, but through Jesus. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, my, not my blood, Jesus' blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Remember, without shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Jesus shed his blood so we can have forgiveness of sins. Thank you. We don't use wine. We use juice. The juice we're going to take represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on the cross and brought us forgiveness of sin and opened up heaven for us. So on that Thursday night, at the last meal that they would eat together, just before he was cruelly crucified, this practice or this ordinance that we now know of communion originated. The church has followed this command to do this in remembrance of Jesus ever since. Easter time of communion is to celebrate and acknowledge what Jesus did for us. So without any further ado, we will move into celebrating communion together. Deb, if you'll come, we serve communion differently. Many times the elders serve us, but 
I just really felt that it, this time Deb and I want to serve you, the congregation. We will serve the elders and their wives, and we will serve the entire congregation, and then I will serve you. In Corinthians, Paul kind of re, re, sums up what happened on that Thursday night, and it's very important. I want us to hear this. He gives instructions for us for communion, taking communion. On the night he was betrayed, Thursday, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God. He broke it in pieces, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, do this in remembrance of me. This is 1 Corinthians, and Paul is quoting what was, was said back in Luke. For every time you eat this bread, and every time you drink this cup, you are announcing, or you are acknowledging, or you are considering the Lord's death. You are meditating on the Lord's death until he comes again. Anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, are you listening? Anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself, we should examine ourselves, before eating the bread and before drinking the cup. So some instructions for us. Anyone here, regular worshiper or visitor, who has professed faith in Jesus Christ to know Jesus as your Savior, is welcome to join with us in communion. I want to give a gentle warning. Don't enter into communion lightly. Let every person examine themselves before the Lord. This is not a warning to disqualify. This is a warning to qualify, not to disqualify or condemn. But this is an opportunity for honest evaluation of our lives. Confession of anything that we may have let slip in. Or if we know we really intentionally haven't been what we should be. This is a great time to take care of that. This examination before communion is not to disqualify you from taking it because there's sin or something amiss. It's to qualify you because you allowed him to show it to you and you're confessing it and taking care of it. If anyone confesses their sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Then you're free of a guilty conscience to come and take communion. This is the time for the invitation that I mentioned earlier. I want you to just, if you want to close your eyes, that might even be good. And I want you to think. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Was there a time that you came to know him where you asked him to come into your life and you gave your life to him? And now you're seeing the effects of that in your life. And if you're not sure or you know you didn't, I would like you to just pray these words after me. In your heart, or you can say them verbally. But Lord Jesus... I'm not sure if I know you. But after what I heard today, I want to know you. Therefore, I ask you to forgive me my sins. I ask you to come into my life, and I give my life to you. 
Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it sincerely, Jesus will respond to your prayer. He will forgive your sin. He will cleanse you from sin and so many other things that he will do. So if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or you prayed that prayer today and it's the first time you realized it really meant something, please see me after the service because I want to talk with you. Lastly, children in the service. Children of any age are welcome to participate in communion. However, we ask that the parents or guardians, whoever the children are here with, make sure as much as they can, they understand. They're not going to understand that at an adult level, but it, hey, sometimes they understand spiritual things better than we do. But they weren't, they're not going to understand all the theology that you just got. But as long as they understand the importance of what they're doing and not to take it lightly, children are welcome to come up with you and take communion. Ron, would you start the music? Congregation, those who are going to come and participate in communion, you can stand and then you can come out the center aisle, come up. Not yet, because i got to figure out how we're going to not be crossing up here. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.